positive information out to everyone. And today we're going to talk about attunement or uh, really it's, it boils down to relationship trust. And relationship trust is something that's, that's it's the key to a healthy relationship. And, and trust me, I've, I've been on both sides of the, uh, of the camera on relationship trust. I've been burned and, and, and lied to, and I've probably burned some people and lied to some people. And, and it's embarrassing to admit, but it's, it's, the reality is, is it's, it's a tough world. And sometimes I can get caught up in wanting to impress. And so um, I'll say things maybe a little bit blown up, a little bit puffed up, bigger than it really is. And, and then I'll think, why did I do that? And, and, and it's hard to go back and fix it. And then there's other times where one of, my, one of my things, I don't know what yours are, but one of my things is I don't like to disappoint people. And I'll almost do anything to not disappoint you, though people that know me know that I've probably disappointed them at some time or another. But it, it drives me. And so there's times where I'll even, uh, I'll fudge on honesty if I can trick you into not being disappointed in me. And I don't know if you've, um, if you've ever tried that or if you've ever done that yourself before, but what you want to do is, is, is stop it. And <laughs> we're going to talk today about some different ways to stop that. And I'm trying to figure out how to get that shadow out of it. I guess I don't, don't worry about that. So this idea of stopping um, mid-sentence even sometimes, stopping mid-sentence is, is important to the idea of building a trusting relationship. And what I mean by stopping mid-sentence, and that, that, that would be if something's coming out of your mouth that's just not quite, um, not quite honest or not all the way true, then just stop, fix it. Say, wait a minute, I didn't mean to say, I was talking with my buddy, his name's Braxton the other day, and, and he was saying something, he was saying, uh, um, I can't remember the exact context of it, but, and he stopped mid-sentence, he says, well, wait a minute, that wasn't exactly true, and then he fixed it and said the truth, and, and we moved on. It was, uh, it was healthy looking, and I thought, man, we need to all take a, a quick gut check of ourselves and, and assess our level of integrity, our little level of honesty, and I know all of you want to be honest. I know all of you want to be seen as honest. And, and somewhere in your soul, all of us, including myself, you, everyone that, that, that's not listening, uh, we have these triggers that throw us into another train track where we head down a trail of, of maybe covering up or leaving things out or not quite telling the whole truth. And it can just create pain. And sometimes they're great big issues. Sometimes it's... Um, it's uh, literally lying to cover up um, some kind of a, a harmful thing that you've done, a sin that you've committed. And other times we lie to, uh, to, to make ourselves look good. And, and I'm telling you that this is obnoxious, but, but sometimes we lie to make other people feel good. Now, I get it. If my wife's dress is ugly, I I, it's okay to say great dress. I'm glad you're wearing. I'm glad. I'm glad you got a dress on. Um, that sounded creepy. I didn't mean it that way. But the whole point is, is you, you might not tell her you hate the dress because it's based on your opinion. If she likes the dress, have her wear the dress and and just be happy. But if your wife is asking you how the marriage is, and you're feeling some things are off, it's important to tell the truth and say, you know what? There's some some things are just a little bit off, and we need to talk. And, and it's, it's not okay to say, yep, everything's fine, and then just keep stuffing these feelings down and, and, and not being transparent, not being honest with each other. And so 
Um, today we're going to talk about how to be honest and how to really spend some time uh, with each other in a relationship. And it could be, uh, I'm going to refer to a marriage relationship. Uh, I'm on a college campus, Dixie State University, and uh, there's a lot of uh, young people on this campus that are looking towards an engagement and marriage, and there's a lot of married couples on campus. And so we're going to talk about marriages, but this could just as easily be with a business partner. It could easily be with a with a, a child, a son, a daughter. It could easily be with uh, peers the, the, that are out uh, playing uh, uh, Frisbee football together. Uh, the same um, attention needs to be given to this integritist, transparent relationship. Now, when I say transparency, a lot of people say, yeah, I want to be transparent in my relationship, but I don't ever want to be embarrassed. I don't want to look bad and I don't want to feel bad. And I don't want to make them feel bad. Well, sometimes being transparent is being able to look bad or being able to say the hard things to the people you're with so that they can be better. And, um, and, and that's the, the, the name of this show is, is attunement, how to have a transparent relationship and I'm going to give you at least six really clear ideas. Dr. Matt Eschler is uh, who I am. I'm with the Southern Utah Counseling Experience. And today coming at you uh, live from uh, Dixie State University on KDXI 100.3. And um, part of, of what I do here in Southern Utah uh, right now is, uh, is marriage counseling with high conflict marriages and and. I love working with high conflict marriages because they are real, genuine, and, and generally very raw. Uh, you don't have a lot of game playing. There is some, I get it, but you don't have a ton of it. You don't have a lot of um, like coming in and just trying to gloss over and make things look good. By the time they're sitting on my couch, uh, getting some help with their relationship, they're both They've done all of the glossing over, all of the stuffing feelings. They've done all the screaming and yelling that they can really handle. And now they're right on the, the, the verge of killing the relationship. And we're able to sit down and in a, just a very real way determine what's missing and can we make it happen. And part of the, part of the program, part of a Southern Utah counseling experience that is now combined with St. George Center for Couples and Families, part of what we do is we help people bring that together and determine um, here's the missing principles, here's the missing laws of relationship, and here's your side of the street, and here's your side of the street. Are you willing to work on yours and not his, and are you willing to work on yours and not hers? And, and then they start this long process of building the two pillars of a healthy relationship. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of components to a healthy relationship, but it all rides on commitment and trust. And I want you to think about those two terms, commitment and trust. Um, If you trust each other but lack commitment, what's the relationship going to look like? Yeah, I think you nailed it there. If you trust each other, like, hey, I trust you got my best interest in mind. I trust that you, uh, you, you care for me. But if there's no commitment, then you don't make agreements or keep them with each other. See, trust can only go so far. And we listened to just the first part of a, a past show. And um, I'm not sure why that plays every week right then, but I'm going to go with it. And it was a, uh, it was a good show. And, and I'm trying to figure out right now, boy, you all have to listen to me talk about technology for the first little bit because there's times where I just don't quite know where to look. And so I am looking all over the place and I am not sure what camera is working and what camera isn't but I believe this is the camera 
right here. And so I'm going to try to uh, not break it. Oh, wow. I probably should have left it alone because now I am making a complete train wreck. Hold on. I'll be right. <laughs> I think I'm going to just leave it alone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend my time on my own Facebook feed because that one I kind of know where to look. And I'm going to figure that other stuff out another time. And so we're talking today about technology. I'm going to do a really quick commercial break and let you know who we are. This is Dr. Matt Eschler with a Southern Utah Counseling Experience. Are you experiencing relationship pain and chaos? Are parenting struggles keeping you up at night? Do you feel stuck and not personally progressing? If you are balancing on the edge and need a little help from your friend and relationship fitness coach, tune into Radio St. George 100.3, Fridays at 5, Saturdays and Sundays at 6.30. Matt Eschler and his team of experts will give you what you need. Call Matt Eschler at 688-1111 or go to his website, matteschler.com, to share thoughts and show topics that you would like to hear. There you go. We did just a little bit of a Dixie State University commercial, and that's uh, really all we have to do of that. And now, really, it's just a matter of just doing a good show. And what we're going to talk about today is technology and dealing with distractions inside of your relationships. And, and I'm telling you that way back, way back when they came out with the suitcase phone, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Do you remember that? Are some of you old enough out there to know about the suitcase phone? It had a phone with a cord, looked a lot like this, and it was in a suitcase, and it would ring. You could pick it up and answer it, and it was awesome. And you felt like, you know, you felt like you were a superhero for a second because you had this suitcase with a phone in it, and you could drive around, and it had a battery life of like maybe 40 minutes, and it was awesome. And I had one of those, and then, and then the brick phone. And then after the brick phone, phones started to get smaller because everybody wanted a small phone, and I had one of those. And then after that, um, it went to the teeniest little tiny phone possible. And then all of a sudden, uh, 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 Steve Jobs came out with this idea that we're going to give them bigger phones. And everybody said, well, they don't want big phones. Well, they don't because we haven't told them they want big phones yet. And so now they want big phones. And I want, I've got an iPad phone and we want these large phones because we want to um, be able to to see the internet and talk on the phone. So we've got all of this stuff going and part of, the, part of the problem that I see with relationships is a lot of times people aren't having conversations about technology and their different opinions about it. Like, I, I remember driving down the road one day and I, I had dialed a number on my phone. I wasn't going to hit send because my wife was talking. And, and so I'm there, I've dialed the phone, I'm, I'm holding my phone thumb above the send button driving. I know I shouldn't drive and talk on the phone or dial the phone at the same time, but they didn't have voice activation back then. It was a brick phone. And she finally said, oh, my word, make your phone call. And I'm thinking, what? And she goes, you're not, you're not even paying attention to me. Make your phone call and then, then put your phone away so we can talk. And so I, I was a little offended. Like, how, why is she getting frustrated at me? I'm, I'm doing a good job. I'm not talking on the phone. I'm dialing, but I'm listening. And I always do like 18 things at once. She knows this. And so I was thinking about being just a little bit offended. And she was thinking about being a little bit offended because we were not on the same page with technology. 
I mean, I'll walk into a restaurant. I'm sure all of you have had this experience and you'll see a table full of people on phones and you'll see a couple of people looking around like, well, why are we here with you all if you're here talking to other people? And the people that are on their phones might be thinking things like, well, I'm just answering a quick text or I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just making one quick, or my babysitter. I just want to make sure it's not the babysitters. I'm just glancing. But see, we all have different beliefs about the rules of etiquette. And so one of the very first things that I want to highlight, again, this is Dr. Matt Eschler with a Southern Utah Counseling Experience, 435-688-1111. Give me a call anytime for show topics or if you need some help with your relationships or any number of other things. We'll get into that more later. But in dealing with the digital distraction, one researcher calls it technoference. In dealing with technoference, the very first conversation that needs to be had is what is your beliefs about technology? See, if a couple is willing to talk about their individual beliefs with technology, then that couple is well on their way to making very specific agreements about technology. Most problems that show up in my office in high conflict is, are those couples that have just never had the conversation and they are a little bit, I, I see people act just a little bit baffled when I, um, when I look at them and I say things like, well, have you talked about it together? Have you, have you explained your view of technology to each other? And they look like, well, no, like, isn't it obvious? We have cell phones because we want to stay in touch. And she's always mad at me for being on my phone. I don't know why. And she says, well, I don't know who else he needs to talk to. I'm right here. And he's thinking, well, I make a living. I have to talk to, to work people. And she's thinking, can't they be trained to leave you alone when you're on a date? See, they're both right. But what they haven't done is shared with each other the ideas that they have for technology etiquette. So I'm going to give you some suggestions today about technology etiquette. And, and I think if all of you will at least have the conversation with, with, your, uh, with your lovers, if you'll have your conversation about technology and about some of the, uh, the, the rules that you need to have, some of the etiquette that you need to have with, with technology, like, like for example, um, how much are you really willing to share on social media? <laughs> I got friends that, Eat half their food in a restaurant, take a picture of it, and put it on Insta, Twitter, whatever that is. I, there's a thing out there that people post food, face, Facegram, Facebook, Instagram, and t- t- tweeters. See, I got no idea what I'm talking about, really, you can tell. But I've seen pictures of people's half-eaten food, and that person really thinks everyone wants to see their half-eaten dinner. Now, the person that's posting or tweeting or Instagramming their food, they think people want to see it and they're offended that I don't think people want to see their food. See, it's, I think I'm right, but they think they're right. And I should at least have a conversation about what I'm comfortable with. Like, I'm not real comfortable with a lot of stuff being posted on Facebook. I'm not real comfortable with a lot of real personal stuff to be posted on Facebook. I'm not real comfortable with it. I'll post, you know, 
Mormony things because I like to I like to be annoying like that. I like to post my testimony because I'm that guy that feels like I've blown it half my life, and so now I want to make up for it and and help people see that maybe maybe uh, maybe I'm a little different than in high school. And I also like to make a bold statement because I'm kind of a, a person like that. I make bold statements. Other people might say, "Ooh, leave the." political and religious stuff off the uh, the public uh, arena there and, and I'm and I'm thinking okay so we're both okay but what if I'm posting stuff about my wife or or my close friends that they're not comfortable with and so is that right to do so I think that's what couples need to talk about is what are we comfortable doing how about when is it okay to text I, I want to say as a, as a marriage counselor I'm suggesting that it is never okay to fight via text or email I, I do it sometimes, and it's, it never goes well. I have the amazing ability to receive a text and read into it the most offensive things. Hey, Matt, when are you going to be home? Oh, she's controlling me. What's the matter? She doesn't trust me. She hates, she hates that I'm out. She hates that I have a job. She's, she's being terrible. And really, she's just thinking, I want to make the man dinner. And I want to make sure that I'm wearing something kind of naughty when he gets home. And so I want to find out when he's going to be home. I'm reading all this negative into it and she's being flirty and cute. See, that's what happens when you text um, fight. You get in the habit of like, uh-oh, what's it, what's it going to say? So maybe what we need to do is talk and make very specific commitments to each other on what are the boundaries. And then both of you keep them. How about do we have internet or cyber-free zones in our house. Is, is, would it, how cool would it be, now again, I'm speaking as a marriage counselor, how cool would it be that every couple's bedroom is technology-free? There is no technology in any bedrooms so that every time I take my, my lover to the bedroom, we are completely into each other with no distractions. What if that was the case? What if we're raising a little family? And what if we decide the kitchen is a technology-free zone? The minute you enter the kitchen, no technology. Would that mean that every meal would be a family meal where we eat together instead of me and three of my work people and my family eating together? Or <laughs> my wife and the Relief Society? Like sometimes she brings the whole Relief Society to dinner with us. I'm just joking. She's way awesome. But I'm sure people do. I don't, I don't want to eat dinner with 48 of my son's friends unless I'm barbecuing with them. I don't want to be in a group text during dinner. So what if we had our kitchens and our bedrooms be technology-free? See, couples can make these agreements. We think that we're under the um, control of, 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 of uh, I want to say Billy Graham. I don't mean Billy Graham. Whoever's in charge of the internet. We think that they control us. We have to be... Um, surrounded by this this microwave of internet because it's available and so we can't just have it shut off. Well, we can. We can actually take every bit of technology out of any room of our home we want. I get, side note. So I get this letter, well, we all did, that the, uh, and we didn't get letters. It was in the news thing that, that all of us Mormons get. And one of the things that was stated is that uh, for the three-hour block, where we, you know, we go to church for three hours, I know, three hours, and sometimes that's rough. That's a long three hours if I'm not in charge because I have to like sit still and listen and pay attention, and I'm riddled with ADD, and so that's rough sometimes. But 
But one of the saving graces is I can kind of read something like I can read, and I'll read like churchy stuff while the teacher's teaching. And, and evidently the, they don't want me to do that. And so during that three-hour service of church, they're going to make it so that we can't access um, the internet uh, except for maybe um, sites that the, the teachers are going to. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. But point is, is when I read that, maybe like many of you, and I heard a lot of people say, oh my word, I can't go three hours without technology. I mean, how crazy is that, that we can't go three hours without technology? Three hours. I know sometimes we ask our kids to go all evening without technology, and we expect them to do it, and I think that's maybe wise. What about a technology-free weekend? What if we go on a vacation with no technology? My wife invited me to do that last summer, and I failed because it just felt like I was too out of touch, and and so we're going to work on that with me. But point being is that we have to take control of technology so that it doesn't control us. That's really the point of the whole thing. And that's, that's why we want to have these conversations. When is it off limits to, uh, to text and to post? When is it um, totally on limits? Like, uh, it, how about if we're um, in a, a lull in the evening and somebody's watching TV and somebody's reading a book? Can I pull out my iPhone and, and do a little search for, uh, you know, um, some book that I want to read on Isaiah? Is, there, is that okay to do? Can I... I've been, I've been involved in these little art sites where it's, um, you take a picture that you've taken and you change the color and you paint and you draw on it and things such as that. That's became kind of an obsession where I'm getting more and more, getting more and more into it. And my wife will say, so you going to shut the light out? And I'm thinking, whoa, it's 11 o'clock. I missed making out with her. I missed like uh, the, the final prayer for the evening and... And now she's like hinting that it's time to shut the light out. And what I've been is completely engaged in, in this uh, pixomatic uh, color my picture and make it look cool hobby of mine. So we can get lost in technology. But should we? No, we shouldn't. What we should do is communicate with each other, set some guidelines, and then keep our agreements. Now, how often have I said that, that the main ingredient of a healthy marriage is the ability to communicate agreements and keep them. I know that sounded like four things, but it's really one thing. Here's the agreement we both agree on. We've made the agreement. Now just keep the agreement. Imagine if we all just did that. How hard would it be to move towards contempt if we just made an agreement and kept it? So when couples come in and one of the presenting issues is they feel a disconnect, lonely, they feel sad, uh, they feel like they don't have time with each other. They're, they, they're, they're, they're just bankrupt on, on time. They haven't had a date night in forever, but yet they can uh, surf the internet three or four hours a day. Um, we talk about let's become techno-incompatible. Let's go from techno-incompatible to techno-compatible. Let's get rid of the what the guy calls technoference and take control of it. So, so one of the issues of modern couples that wasn't an issue just a couple of decades ago is this um, behavior or perception of another's behavior around the iPhone, the droid, and, and the different ways of, of, uh, of um, engaging in technology. It's like something that's um, so brand new that there's not even a lot of research on it, except for we do know a couple of things. So the first thing that we found out in research is that a lot of couples, and here's, here's why I want you to take control of technology instead of allowing it to control you. A lot of couples used to 
discuss things with each other and, and share opinion. Um, hey, how far is it to, uh, to the Grand Canyon, back over to Las Vegas, and then to St. George, and what are some of the things that you've seen doing it? And somebody else would say, well, I, I saw this, uh, the Shiprock Mountain. I saw the, you know, the uh, New York, New York and Vegas. And then coming through the gorge at night's really kind of like awesome and exhilarating. And, you know, don't go to the rest area just outside of the gorge because you might get attacked. And then you head into St. George and, and you're, uh, you, you just see the beautiful St. George lights and the temple all lit up as you round that corner. And it's just a wonderful trip. And the other one, the other person in the conversation says, yeah, I got a picture of all that. And I remember taking a picture of, of that Shiprock Mountain. Let me dig it out and let me show it to you. See, they have this talk about that drive and that is bonding. That brings them together. They share experience. They draw word pictures with each other and, and it's all, it's all makes them feel connected and warm and good. Do you know what we do today? Hey, what do you think about the drive around through uh, the Grand Canyon over to Vegas and into St. George? Uh, what, is, what are some of the sites and how long will it take? Hold on a sec. Hey, Siri, how long will it take to go through Grand Canyon to Las Vegas and back? And what are some of the landmarks? And then Siri tells them and they're done. See, that, there's no bonding there. There's no attachment. There's no sharing of mutual experience. There's no getting out of a picture and, and looking at it together. There's just a data swap. And that's not going to help. It's okay to do now and again. In fact, I said this to my son who calls himself a proud millennial. I said, here's one of the problems that you're going to run into. And, and he says, what's the problem with that? She asks a question. I give her an exact answer. She knows the data and the detail. We can make a decision and we can go if we want to. And I'm thinking he missed the whole point. And I think it's a lot of times because there's a whole generation that they don't chat with each other loosely anymore. They have data plans with each other now. They share data plans. It's, it's, it's going to mess with us. And so I want you to, to really consider that. And I want you to take an opportunity to go on a technology-free weekend. See what happens. I've got one client this morning that, that boldly said, I will go off the grid because I'm, I'm really frustrated with some things. And then um, we talked about uh, the, how that would work. And, and he said, well, with everything except and then listed like 48 things. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's not really going off the grid now, is it? So the hope is, is that we continue to bond. We, we continue to have conversations with each other and we don't just swap data. Second problem is, is people have very different ideas of what is rude and what isn't rude. See, see we, have to, um, we have to decide, especially with our romantic relationships, what technology is for and how to be compatible with our technology use because it may just move itself in and make our lives very much not easier. It may make our lives pain-filled. It may make our lives filled with fighting. We might, I mean, we might do all kinds of damage because we just plain don't understand each other and our, our technology needs as well as our needs to have um, not have technology. So, so think about some of the, the issues that couples are facing. Think, think about technologically incompatible couples uh, that have very different values and perceptions about technology. Now, here's one of those instances where we're probably not dealing with a simple, 
Uh, I don't want to be married to someone that does heroin every night. I, 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 that's a, that's kind of an easy one. Like I, I think let's help you quit heroin, but I don't think it's so easy to decide when it's okay to be on your phone or when it's okay to be researching something, uh, in your, uh, with your technology instrument, with your device. See, when you go on a date, stereotypical date is a dinner and a movie, right? And, and so people go out to dinner, then they go to a movie, a movie's kind of like technology. You both enjoy it together. You're sitting there together watching the movie, right? And as you're sitting there together, then maybe after the movie, you could talk about the movie. Sometimes couples watch a television show together. They jump on Netflix and they really like Justified, and so they'll watch Justified over and over together. And don't watch Justified over and over together, just, but that's just an idea. The, the whole idea is, is that they find a show that they enjoy together and then they watch it together and they talk about it, they laugh together, they're enjoying the same thing. But see, when I jump on my phone and I start texting someone, back in the olden days, that would be like me on a date. Now picture 19, back in the olden days, 1993. Picture 1993 and I'm out on a date with my wife and we're at dinner. And let's say that I read Louis Lamar Western novels. I don't know if you can call them a novel, uh, Western books. I, can, I read Louis Lamar. So we're sitting at dinner. We're waiting for the waitress, and it's like a little bit of a lull. The waitress is taking our order. We've got our drinks. We're sitting there, and I pull out a Louis Lamar book, and I start reading. And I'm not, I'm not looking at her. I'm not talking to her. See, we would all probably say that's rude, right? I'm not really interested in talking with you over dinner. I want to read, but we're not reading the book together. I'm not reading it out loud to her. I'm reading to myself and I'm enjoying myself and it's wonderful and I'm getting some peace and quiet and she's sitting there looking at her fork and playing with her hair and you know, pulling out split ends because that's kind of what she does when she's nervous and she's not engaged with her husband whatsoever because he's reading. Everyone would think, wow, what's wrong with him? But see, sometimes people don't see that texting someone while on a date with someone is the same thing. So what are the rules around texting on dates? Like, is it okay to just a quick text to the babysitter? Is that okay? Or if I'm on call, can I say, hey, I'm on call. I might need to, to get a text and send a text. Is that okay? So the whole idea is, is that um, you need to look at this stuff like, are we doing this together really? Or is it something that I'm doing at your expense? You're waiting for me to get done. And, and that's one of the very first things to create techno compatibility is to make some very solid agreements about that and again just to highlight the number one problem isn't that we drastically disagree on it's that we never even talk about it we just assume that we're all on the same page that it this is okay and that is not okay and and i've found that everybody's got different rules everybody's got a different idea about this like i honestly i'll, I'll say to couples Put your iPhones and your, your Androids in the glove box on your five-hour date and just shut them off, put them in the glove box, pretend you don't have phones, and people, just, they, they won't do it. But I want all of you listening right now to just think all the way back. Like some of you are old enough, think all the way back. Um, there was a time most of my life when my parents were gone, they didn't have a phone, and they'd be gone all day on Saturday sometimes. And I'm, <laughs> some would argue this, I think I'm okay. Well, I know I didn't die. I know I didn't lose a limb. I, I 
maybe got traumatized a few times, but look how look how good I turned out. You all turned out pretty darn good as well. And I know there's horrible things that happen, but I don't know that a phone's going to stop that anyway. I think what we need to do is not be so caught up in we have to have it. Get caught up in making and keeping agreements about when we're going to use the technology. Because it, it can be a blessing or it can be a cursing depending on how we use it. Okay? Why don't you just think about that? So a common complaint in the dating world, I, I deal with a lot of people that go out on first dates and one of the most common complaints on first dates is that the other person uses their phone. And, and so just know that, that, that there is a vast difference <clears throat> of opinion on, on what to do with technology around our romantic relationships or our relationships, period. <clears throat> and my challenge to you is, is to communicate about it. This is Dr. Matt Eschler with a Southern Utah counseling experience. And we have recently uh, joined forces and merged with St. George Center for Couples and Families. <clears throat> the, uh, the, the purpose of this merger is that we're going to expand into some uh, territories that, that do not have services and we're going to help them obtain those services. And we're going to, uh, you know, like good capitalists, we're going we're to um, make some, some inroads into there for some, some good healthy income as well as to give good healthy counseling to people in, in rural areas. And so the hope is, is that uh, this merge is going to help us bring the uh, counseling that we offer that has to, to do with court work like domestic violence counseling, um, substance abuse counseling. Uh, we've got some avenues to re- around dealing with mood disorders. We've got a, uh, an in-house um, medical director that is able to do uh, telemedicine and uh, medicine via a Zoom, which is a HIPAA-approved platform for telemedicine. And we can do uh, the prescribing and the different uh, things that people need for their, uh, for their mood disorders if, if necessary. We're also all getting trained um, over a, the course of a summer in aminos in, in that, the building block of your uh, neurotransmitters so that we can help people um, be off medications, even painkillers, and work towards a, a healthy lifestyle that way. Uh, we'll let the doctors work with them on the uh, whether or not they continue with the medication, but we'll help them with those building blocks for their neurotransmitters. We also have uh, neurofeedback and biofeedback uh, machines that we're able to to help people with their anxiety disorders and what have you. Um, I myself work with uh, high-conflict marriages and am able to help people uh, that want to uh, resolve the conflict that perhaps feels so overwhelming that they're ready to burst and I can help with that and help them find a place of juicy, passionate love and help them with everything from infidelity to um, how to manage a personality disorder within a relationship and maintain some happiness and joy. You can give us a call for any of your counseling needs, whether they be court-ordered or not, or they're private and very professional and your confidentiality will be honored at 435-688-1111. Been around for uh, 25 years or so, probably a little bit more than that. And uh, plan on being here for another 25, 30 years before uh, even considering uh, any alternatives. So we'll, we'll talk with you at, at any given time, 435-688-1111. Now, we've been talking about uh, technoference and uh, what, the, what one researcher coined the term of, of couples that have allowed technology to literally ruin their uh, connection, their intimate connection. And we've talked about um, one of the very first things that people don't um, accomplish, and that is a, a conversation about technology. Um, they, um, they, they, they forget that 
everyone has a different view of it. People make this grand assumption that it's just common sense. Don't do this or it's just common sense. I get to do that. And I'm finding with technology, there's very little common sense involved. It's everybody has a strongly held belief. And so if all of, all of us have our very own set of rules or, or set of ideas of what the uh, technology etiquette is, then all I can say is we've got to talk to each other and come to some kind of a mutual understanding and even an agreement in order to survive. So I've got um, one couple where if, if there's even a touch and a look at a screen of a phone, that frustrates the other. And I've got another couple that, well, um, as long as it's work-related, I'm fine, but let's not just let's, let's not be playing around on Candy Crush. And then we've got another one that says, well, I'm okay with just uh, some downtime with a, with, a, with a game on the phone, but man, stop working when you get home. And so everybody's got a different idea of what's okay and what's not okay. And what I suggest in the first half of this show is the very first thing is decide on the rules, the, the tech etiquette for your home. And then the second thing is organize some time every week where there's no technology. It might be that you have technology-free zones in your room. As a marriage counselor, I believe no bedroom should have technology in it. Now, um, I've got technology in my bedroom. I'm thinking, why? I, I teach people not to. Why do I? And I think, well, a lot of times I think because I'm unique. I'm that narcissist that believes he's unique and most of the rules don't apply to me. But they do apply to me. If I want a juicy, passionate relationship, I shouldn't be doing my, um, my uh, camera uh, photography art until midnight and then wanting to, uh, to kiss my wife. What I should do is put all technology away and, and just go to bed with my wife and we can, we can relax together. And, uh, and that, does that make sense? So we do need to discuss together what's acceptable. We need to discuss together what some of our downsides are and upsides are and what, uh, what are some common things that we would like to do. Now, here's a place to start. So couples, I want everybody to listen to this. Get a notebook out and get a pen. If you're driving down the road in the car, lick your finger and get ready to write on the dust on your dashboard. I want you to make a list of your common activities that you do as a couple when you're together. Um, you might be eating at home, eating at a restaurant. You might be driving in your car together, watching TV together, sitting on the couch, relaxing, reading together, uh, watching your kids. You might be just lounging around on a Saturday morning in bed together. Uh, you could be um, winding down in the evening after you've put the kiddies to bed or after you're uh, ready for uh, retiring for the night. There might be a half hour of just winding down. Just the whole list of everything that you most commonly are around each other doing. And then talk with each other about each thing on that list regarding the importance of not having a, a, a technology going, a screen in front of you, or it's okay. So let's say that you say, okay, well, we eat dinner and the kids are all gone. It's just uh, me and the wife and we we cook a little dinner and we're, you know, we're usually just... Um, eating in silence because we've already had our visit and it's just fine to uh, look on Facebook while you eat. Now, I might say, don't take pictures of my food and post it because I think that's weird. And you might say, well, I like to post pictures of the dinners you make because you're such a good cook. And I'd say, well, yeah, it's true. I am a good cook. And of course, it's gourmet looking. So yes, you want to take a picture of that art called my dinner and, and send it. But I don't want to send pictures of my food because I think that's weird. So you just 
make agreements with each other. Or you might be raising a little family and you might decide, you know what, the kitchen is a um, internet-free zone. No one brings technology into the kitchen. We're going to eat dinner and talk as a family. Either one's okay. I don't care what you do, but here's the problem. Sometimes I think it's okay to be on the phone or looking up stuff uh, for work or even just zoning out on Facebook. And my wife is thinking, nope, I wished I would just have a husband that would pay attention to me. I wished he would just visit and we would be talking together and it would be wonderful and juicy and passionate and fun. But no, he's got to be correcting papers on... uh, uh, for Dixie State, and he's not looking or paying attention to me at all. And I'm thinking, well, I'm getting this done while we're eating dinner so that after dinner we can, like, sit on the couch and hold hands and watch a movie. See, I'm thinking good stuff. She's thinking good stuff, but we're not doing good stuff at the same time. What about going to a restaurant? Should we leave phones in the car or should we take them in and, and somewhere where it gets maybe the lull in it, we can each check texts and see how it's going and then shut our phones down again and talk. Everybody's got a different idea. The key is is talking about what are your ideas that work together. See, is it going to be healthy and productive for our relationship if we do X, Y, or Z? Or is it going to hurt the relationship? And then we just keep talking until we figure out a place where we are um, unified with technology. And I think that, again, couples are in trouble mostly because they don't talk at all about technology. They assume that there's some rules that everybody just lives by. When in all reality, we all have different rules. There's people that say, like, like for example, one of my rules is, is I check for emergency texts a couple of times an evening. And one of my wife's rules is that we don't check texts and look at our phones throughout the evening. We're together now. You've worked all day. You, know, you, you work a lot, a lot, a lot of hours. And now it's my turn. What if I was thinking she's selfish for not wanting me to have any, you know, check my my phone to make sure that nobody's in trouble time? And what if she thinks that I'm selfish for not wanting to spend time just with her without interruption? See, we would both be right. So we would have to talk about, okay, what about 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. for 15 minutes? And then she might say, oh, well, that'd be fine. If it's those two points and for 15 minutes, then... Then it's okay. And so a lot of men out there are saying, well, what if I just say every time I go to the bathroom, I get a check technology and say, that's fine because I don't want to be in there anyway. So as long as you're not spending four hours in the bathroom, then maybe that's the, but whatever it is, you come up with an agreement that makes sense to both of you. So the acceptable compromises is healthy. The, the assuming that the other one's just dumb or rude isn't healthy. No matter what the, um, the notion is there, there has to be a certain amount of being unified for it to, for it to work, okay? Does that, does that make sense to everyone? So one of the things we do is we communicate these rules with each other. We make them solid and then we make them, uh, we make them happen. Now, here, here's something I want to throw out as a warning. Let's say um, Chris and I have this nine to nine rule, okay? So nine in the morning to nine at night, it's okay. But nine at night till nine in the morning, don't answer the phone. Like if people can let it go to the machine and get it the next day, nine o'clock at night is just, it's finally time, let's just stop. What if my sister calls at 920 and she just keeps calling and it happens frequently? That happens to people. It's like one or two people just haven't got the the, the message that after nine o'clock is too late. So 
once you have these rules, once you have these things um, in place with each other as a couple, tell people, communicate it to people so that, um, so that everyone really understands how to respect your time. Even, even work people that might be um, needy of you will understand if you say, look, in fact, I, I've said this on, on weekends to a couple of clients. I've said, look, on weekends, you can text. I won't answer the phone ever on a weekend because I don't. But if you text, sometime during the next four to eight hours, I'll, I'll get back with you if it's an emergency. And that way, people know it's coming. They don't, they don't feel ignored. Cause you know what? You've seen the research, right? Back in 1982, when answering machines came out, we had four days before you felt like somebody was blowing off your message and just wasn't calling you back. Well, now in this day and age of technology, um, millennials, kids that are 15 to, to 30 years old, if you wait four minutes, they think you're ignoring them and they're offended. So you tell people, it will be four to eight hours. You might not hear from me. And if it's not an emergency, you may not hear from me until Monday. Then nobody's offended because you've warned them. They know you're not a resource during that time, if that's the case. So make sure you communicate these rules to others. Make sure that, you're, that, you're, that your parents, your extended family, your buddies, your friends, your lady friends, make sure everybody knows so that they know how to respect your time. And then you start training people in how to manage their life around how you manage your boundaries. Now, with each other, if you're anything like me, my wife would say that I think I'm the exception to every rule. And I, I don't think I'm the exception to every rule, just, you know, speed limits, blinkers, um, things I want to do when I want to do them, that kind of stuff. That's all. But the point is, is if you are a special circumstance, if you are going to uh, want some special consideration uh, during certain things, like if you're on call for work or if you're, if you're going out but you know you've got a sick child or if there's, I mean, whatever it is, there's no app on any phone for mind reading at all still. I wish there was, but there's not. Well, maybe I don't. I'm a ther- I need, it gives me work that there's not. So that we'll forget that part. But the whole idea is communicate the special circumstances up front. What if I was to say, hey, I'm on call, so I need to, to be looking at the phone. And what if my wife said, well, let's just save some money and not go out. We'll just hang at the house and I'll make dinner and let's go out uh, Tuesday when you're not on call. See, that's way acceptable. What's not acceptable is for me to get mad at her because I'm on call and I didn't warn her and give her a chance to opt out. And, and it's also, you know, she shouldn't be mad at me because she, we, we just didn't communicate. And so the whole idea is let's learn to communicate <clears throat> about, um, about what the rules ought to be until we agree. agree. And, and there's couples out there saying, but what if we never agree? That's when you call me, 435-688-1111, and I'll help you learn how to agree. I'll help you learn how to get to a, a negotiation that, that works. A play on words that I always toss out to people is never compromise. Find that third option that you both love or that 12th option that you both love. So you got a hamburger and, and, and you want it and you got it, the other person wants a milkshake. Well, you don't compromise by taking the red meat hamburger and throw it in a blender with milk and blend it up and you both drink it. That's a compromise that no one likes. 
what you do is you negotiate an agreement like pizza. Like if you don't want a hamburger and you don't want a milkshake, don't blend them together. Go get a pizza that you both want. It's totally different. It's a totally different food group because I'm pretty sure pizza's healthy somehow. And, and then you go for that rather than this whole let's keep doing what neither of us like. And that brings me to what happens if you're unhappy. So you've talked about your agreements. You've talked about maybe some of the times that you're an exception. And let's just take a second and decide what do we do with all of that if we're just not happy with it? What do we do if, if um, I feel like the agreement's not working? Do I get passive aggressive and kind of glare every time you're on the phone, even though we've kind of established that now's the time you can? Or let's say you're on it one second longer than you promised. Do you get the, the riot act read to you? See, the whole idea is that um, being passive aggressive or retaliating against each other or making little under the breath comments or trying to interpret what the other one's intentions are, it's all working that other side of the street that doesn't work. It's just going to fail. So what I challenge you to do is I challenge you to, um, to any time the agreement's not working, don't break it, sit with each other and change it. It's, it's way better to say, look, we've made this agreement and I got to say that it's, it's bugging me and it's starting to like work me into a place where I don't want to be with you and I want to I want to make this work. So let's talk about what doesn't work for me. And I, I don't know really anyone that is is going to um, argue that with you. I think they're going to give you a moment to renegotiate that and make it work. But be reasonable with each other. Like let's realize that we are all looking for a connection. Uh, we all want that intimate connection with each other. And so why not... Um, why not negotiate an agreement that you're both like jazzed about that builds the juicy passion in the relationship rather than tears us apart? I got like one more thing to say about this and then I'm going to announce what we're going to talk about next week and you're going to love next week. Next week's going to be one of my favorite shows and, and, and I'll give you that in just a minute. But here's, here's the thing. Relationship rules and agreements only work when you both keep them. Like they just don't work if you don't keep them. And so... That, that's rule number one, make and keep agreements. We started with that. I'm going to end with that. Number two, if the person that you're in this relationship with really sends a bid to you or a request to you of, hey, could you put your phone down and let's talk for a second? What I challenge you to do is just immediately set it down. Don't don't make a, a, a groan or a grunt or say, oh my word, you're terrible. Just Put your phone down, look them right in the eye and say, yeah, talk with me. Give them, the person that's in front of you, that undivided attention. And that's when you know that, that, that agreements can be made. Is if they dare tell you to put your phone down and you are humble enough to just put the phone down, that's a win for both of you. A lose would be, hey, just a second, I'll put the phone down. And then 48 minutes later, they're still wondering, like, when do I get a turn? See, that's a lose. Any person that you're on the phone with, whether it be texting or tweetering or Insta-charming or whatever they are, any person that you're doing that with and you're not in the room with is second to the person you're in the room with when it comes to a conversation. Let that sink in. 
I'm sure there's exceptions to that, but I want to throw to you that most often when I'm on the phone at home, the person that's at home in front of me gets precedent over the person that I'm calling because I should be present where I'm at. So put your phone down without complaint and make agreements with each other and then keep them. Deal? So there you have the, the, the simple make and keep agreements around technology. Memorize the term technoference. That's what this researcher pointed out that is the thing that is killing relationships. It's the technoference where we allow different rules about technology to get in the way of our juicy, passionate connection. And then we work towards resentment, which builds into a full um, a discontent and a full contempt. And once we have contempt for each other, we're on our way to divorce. That's all there is to it. So make and keep agreements around technology and you'll have a, a far better relationship. And that is the thing of your generation, you young ones. Uh, the, the, if, you're, if you're Kenzie Eschler's age all the way up to, uh, to my age, <laughs> you have to make and keep agreements to keep your friends and to keep your relationships juicy and, and, and fun. So, so do that and pay attention to the person you're in the room with first, make and keep agreements with them first, and then, and then get to everyone else. Now, next week, I've got a show. We've got some people that have came to my office and, and one of the things that they are wondering is how in the world do we... Um, I gotta, I've got to get my next week's show up. How in the world do we just make sure that we are connecting and bonding and moving towards more juice, more passion, more fun, instead of slowly working towards a roommate situation in our relationships. Because no one wants to spend their life with a roommate, really. We want to be with a lover. We want to be with somebody that we're passionate with and passionate about. And so I'm going to tell you next week about six hours plus five. There are six key hours a week plus a five-hour date that I'm going to challenge you all to do every single week. That's 11 hours. I want you to think about that. 11 hours is a lot of time. There's 168 hours in a week. That means we're dropping it back to 157 left. Okay? You still have 157. I know you're going to sleep. I know you're going to be alone. I know you're going to be at work, but you got plenty of hours. Now, I'm going to tell you that these 11 hours are a key to a healthy marriage. Those of you that are dating, start getting your head wrapped around these. This 11 hours cannot be sabotaged. See, we came out with a microwave back in the 70s. A microwave was supposed to make our lives easier, and it did. And then we filled that extra time that we had with stuff to do. And then we came up with the, uh, the, the, the computer, the iPhone. We came up with the iPad and we came up with the Surface and we came up with the Surface Pro. They were all supposed to make our lives easier, connect us more, make us more intimate with each other. And it could. But if these 11 hours are sabotaged because we got microwaves and cell phones and we're so busy working on not being busy, that we blow off these 11 hours, our marriages are going to fail. Our, our relationship with our lovers are going to fail. Uh, it's just not going to work. And so 
Here's the idea. We have to have these 11 hours. We have to. And I'm going to share with you what they are next Friday. Uh, We'll see you then. And thank you for tuning in. This is Dr. Matt Eschler with a uh, Southern Utah Counseling Experience recently merged with St. George Center for Couples and Families. Give us a call at 435-688-1111. Music for Southern Utah's Dixie. St. George Radio at 100.3 FM. Study abroad in Iceland for six days in May. Register for Geology 3910 now and contact Janice Hayden, 435-652-7778 or hayden at dixie.edu and join the pre-travel class taught on Thursday at 515. Don't miss out on exploring the land of fire and ice. The DOCU Sears Museum presents the Art Department Showcase. It will take place from April 20th to May 4th. The art reception is on April 20th from 7 to 8, featuring faculty members such as Alex Chamberlain and Lynn Chamberlain. The gallery hours will be from Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, and it is closed on the weekends and holidays. Want a powerful resume? Centiport Testing offers numerous career-ready certifications so you can prove to your potential employer that you know what you're doing. For more info, visit Hawsey Room 103 or call 435-652-7953. This week in DSU Athletics is brought to you by The Spectrum. Saturday, a doubleheader of softball versus Academy of Art at Carl Brooks Field, noon and 2. Be a trailblazer and support DSU Athletics. Brought to you by The Spectrum and Radio Dixie 91.3. St. George Radio at 100.3 FM.